Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of AMTV Radio. This is the podcast where I'm joined by a very special guest each time and we chat about, well, just whatever we want to really. And for today I am joined by someone from the WhoTuber community and according to this person's Twitter bio they are the High Commander of the Wheelchair Gang. So it's a very prestigious privilege to have today. Tharys, how are you doing, mate? Hello. Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. I realise that Twitter bio sounds rather e- egotistical, doesn't it? <laughs> I feel like the sixth Doctor telling off Perry. It's like, um, in, <laughs> I mean, to be in, fair, um, if no one case. else is coming along to challenge your title, then by all I mean, means you keep yeah, it. Yeah, like... nobody, nobody has. Um, <laughs> like th- that whole wheelchair gang thing is kind of funny because it originated from when I didn't make Doctor Who videos oh, for like okay. a short time. Yeah, because um, that came from a PewDiePie video that I did <laughs> where I was basically like, the floor gang sucks because I can't be in it because I can't get to the floor. <laughs> oh, <man>. So, um, <laughs> so I, I made a new one called called Wheelchair Gang, um, and that video got like seven thousand views for seven. <laughs> um, and I still get comments from angry nine-year-olds now be calling me ceiling gang, which is a lot, of, wow. which is a lot of fun, especially yeah. considering that meme is pretty much all but dead. Oh, uh, so it's, seeing the odd comment of that is just like, oh, that's fun. I like how it, I like how it stuck around though. Like, and I mean, YouTube's funny like that, isn't it? Catapulting seemingly like it's always the videos you make like randomly, like you don't plan oh, it. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'll do it on a whim, and then oh, it's now got like ten thousand views. Oh, I wish. Yeah, that's something I've <laughs> noticed recently, especially like. The um, I did a video the other day talking about like toxic positivity when the yeah yeah it. yeah because I feel like that like that is just you know as as re- as relevant as uh, toxic negativity but I don't hear as many people uh, say anything about it so I was like oh, I'll just do a little thing about that and it got like nearly three thousand views in a day and I'm like all right no. weird um you know it's good but like it was weird um and like you know you had a lot of people um commenting on it and that sort of thing most i i was really surprised by the, the positive response to that yeah i was really expecting a bunch of people being like <laughs> you know i was just expecting a, a very toxic comment section but most people were like yeah yeah you know, it is just as bad both ways so uh, that was nice no i mean um, I, I watched it myself and i thought you put across you put it across in a very good way and i'll, I'll leave a link a card wherever youtube puts it now so people can check it okay, out but cheers. i just think like when people have mentioned it before about toxic positivity, I think the arguments I've seen before haven't always been either worded or said in like the best way. It comes yeah. across as like you're going at the people who are being overly positive or toxically positive, but without any basis. And I think that's why people yeah. get upset. Whereas you sort of deconstructed it and said, this is why it's not necessarily a good thing yeah. and it can be a problem. I think that's why people have resonated with it as well because i mean as as you know from all the like with revolution going out and these rumors because at the time of recording they are just rumors i was yeah. saying the annoying thing is <laughs> when news like this happens and i pre-record stuff by the time this comes out you watch it have been like fact or something so now i've got to go oh, yeah it'll be, be confirmed true. by the bbc absolutely have jody on bbc radio 4 basically saying yeah sayonara and yeah, um, i'm gone and i'll be yeah, editing like this like Capaldi. god damn it so, but, yeah but no um it was it was good but on your channel itself um so how did how did your channel come about what made you decide right i'm gonna do a, a youtube channel basically well my channel i think it's got one of the more somewhat more dramatic origins than some other people i think like i think most people are just like oh yeah i was found a doctor who and started talking about it. and don't get me wrong that was certainly a factor in in like my channel's creation because like so I started making content like properly uh, in December of 2018. Mm. So it was like right in the midst of, of like series 11 airing, I think. Mm. I, I think I remember up to the point where I started making videos. 
uh, we'd gotten up to the witch finders okay. in terms of um, Doctor Who episodes. That's where we were at. Um, so I did a video basically saying, you know, like a very basic video saying why I didn't like the current stuff, you know, very sort of generic, um, you know, standard fare uh, stuff. And obviously I enjoyed making that. And at the time I was literally recording using the screen recorder on my phone. <laughs> um, so I suppose that shows the difference. <laughs> It, it, you know, hey, now we, I, we all I, start somewhere we all start yeah, somewhere no, exactly but those videos are long since privated and, and gone <laughs> um but yeah like the thing that sort of i unintentionally unintentionally ended up happening and i've spoken about this before is i unintentionally sort of became a not my doctor <laughs> um and it's something i've tried very hard to rectify since mm. um because i realized that while I didn't like the show as it currently was, you know, I didn't, it wasn't because of, of that, mm. uh, because of the politics, because to be honest, I, I hate talking about politics. So <laughs> having the channel be revolved around why I thought the politics of the show was, was wrong. I'm like, I don't really want to talk about this. I just sort of want to make videos talking about Dr. You and that's sort of, you know, in going into like 2019 and 2020, that's what I sort of made the decision to do. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's turned out better in the long run. Like I feel, because there's the weird thing about that community. Like obviously I, I have a bit of weird knowledge about that community because I've like been in there. Mm. Um, like the weird thing about it is it's sort of, it, the thing is the people, obviously they're not my doctors. They obviously get very, they get obviously talked about a lot online mm -hmm. and for good reason because of what they say but when you first meet one of them they just sound like normal people they you oh, don't yeah. get that oh you're 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 a terrible person you don't get that they just they just sound like normal people but then slowly more and more i started to notice like things getting dropped into like conversation that i was like i don't agree with that yeah um and it, and it was you gotta remember as well when i started making content i was i was 15 years old that's when i started doing it in 2018 i'm now 17 mm -hmm. um so it's it's what been two years since that and i've had a lot of i think people is changing opinion is very like a dangerous thing to do on the internet yeah because people will accuse you of being inconsistent or backtracking and in reality i was just i was just learning as uh, and growing as a person and like as I said, I, I made a very conscious effort to try and, you know, evolve and move on from that as much as possible. If you go digging for it, there are remnants of that stuff still around. Mm -hmm. When I did things on other people's channels and like not really understood the implications of them. But, sure. you know, I, I, I realize now that like at the end of the day, that's not really what I want to be. Yeah. Um, I think it's I different guess. as well, like when, as you say, like you were you were 15 and now 17, like obviously being a teenager, because I make myself sound ancient, I'm not ancient, um, <laughs> but like I know from when you go through that part of your life, like you basic, your opinions are like, it's changing all the time and what yeah. you might believe when you're 15, you might not when you're 17, that's just part of life. So I, I like, that's why I, I understand it more with yourself when you say I'm trying to make a conscious effort to like sort of not focus on that past, but more about what you think now. And I think yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly. more understandable when it's like someone like your age compared to not no one specific, but say if you're like in your forties or fifties and mm. you, you give the, you know, an age where there's the, 
the expectation your opinions are meant to be mature and not sort of come across as immature so when it's someone like that you sort of think oh well and i think that's what i've thought is the issue with a lot of the nmds if they weren't as reactionary or as extreme then maybe i could have like a debate with one but Yeah, yeah exactly what i will say about some of them is i will say i think some of it is definitely a persona okay um like again i'm not going to name any names because i don't want to like you know start anything because uh (laughs) i'm sort of notorious for uh, beef and stuff like that um but there are some people who act very um shouty and loud in their videos Uh, i think you're going to sort of know people i'm talking about and then you meet them and they're like really quiet and sort of passive and you're like i wasn't expecting that but I think some of them just figured out that what gets them views is when they rant and rave. Yeah. Um, so they just made the decision to, to only ever do that. And don't get me wrong, I, I still like rant about certain things, but like even when I rant, I sort of just talk like this, but mildly yeah. more annoyed. It's, it's weird. I, I'm not a very shouty person, particularly. I think there's always a difference in any type of reaction, whether it's angry, happy, whatever, on YouTube, where you can tell when it's genuine and you can tell when yeah. it's put on. And there are some people, like you say, where now you sort of think, yeah, how much of this is because, you know, the algorithm works for you when you're like this compared to just being like, like we are now just like having a casual conversation. Yeah, this is just like, yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And it's, I think that's the reason I feel so strongly about these toxic sort of areas of like the fan base. And it's not even just this fan base, it's every fan base. Mm. But when you, like, I think when you're in one yourself, you, I think you just you realize how wrong they are in a way because like obviously we're always told yeah this this is wrong but like when you actually see it firsthand you're like yeah this this isn't right um and that's why i've always been very you know about like fans these days i'm like just don't be toxic that's that's basically my uh yeah rule of thumb is that have whatever opinion you want just don't be toxic yeah like i mean uh, after revolution ed like i've got mates who occasionally watch doctor i wouldn't say they're like in the fandom as as much as we are but you know they watch it and they were like oh i didn't think it was very good i didn't like the performances i didn't like the story you know basically saying they they hated it and i was like okay fair enough i i had a fun time watching it but i Mm. I respect that you don't like it and and obviously in an ideal world that's what all sort of interactions will be we can accept each other's criticisms but when it's when it instantly starts getting nasty like oh you're you're a so-and-so and look at you and you probably yeah. like all that that's the yeah that's the ugly side of it all and as you say like it has happened on both sides i'm not saying it's just exclusive no to completely one side. because i think that if the, if your friends have said what they said to you on twitter mm. i think the reaction would have been very different well i think this is like, part of it isn't it that whole social media angle how you can yeah. sort of say what you want and you are shielded by the fact you're not seeing that person face to face it's literally yeah, just exactly. text on a screen so um but so yeah that's i mean that's kind of my more turbulent origins <laughs> like by all accounts i shouldn't still have you know a platform i suppose i guess i should have like died out like one of those ones who just sort of like tried to do it because they knew it got views um and then just realized it wasn't for them um, true but i think as you I've say you've been making around that... like some sort of leech you know? <laughs> no but i'd say again like like you've just been saying as like rather than i think it'd be worse if you if you change your views but then try to dismay that you ever th- you know acted like an nmd in the first place whereas yeah. you're very open like yes i was like this and i'm trying to be better i think that's the big difference like when you see all these cancellation things like last year you know all the I'm trying to think, you know, bigger YouTubers like Jenna Marbles and Shane Dawson, all that. Mm, like, yes, yeah, yeah. the stuff they did 
was reprehensible. Like it was wrong. It shouldn't have happened, blah, blah, blah. But my, my stance on all of that always was, oh, like, you know, James Gunn, the Guardians of the Galaxy director. It's like, yeah, yeah, he might have said a tweet eight years ago that was pretty awful of him and he shouldn't have, like, maybe shouldn't have said. But if he's actively trying to be better and he's proving that, then I don't yeah, think he exactly. deserves to have his platform taken away. And I'd apply that to yourself as well. Like, as I say, I think as hard as people find it is on the internet, I think the more open you are about, say, things you've done in the past that maybe you're like, eh, not so happy about that, it's yeah, easier to carry on. When I was, when I was, sorry to get you off. No, no, carry on. Uh, when I was, um, you know, originally sort of thinking, yeah, I need to, I mean, it all happened rather suddenly due to some outside drama that was outside of my control. Uh, but that's the thing as well, when you don't sort of comply, you're thrown out very quickly. Yeah. And that's what I found. So the choice wasn't really mine, but when I was considering how to approach it, when I was sort of out of the group, so to speak, um, I was thinking, right, I can do one of two things. I can say nothing and just pretend like that that never was a thing and just carry on and plow on through. Or I admit my mistake um, and I get rid of, like, obviously the, the stuff that I don't agree with anymore mm -hmm. and, you know, chart a new course for the channel and trying to, you know, trying to like evolve a channel or move a channel in a different direction is always scary Yeah. because quite often it doesn't work. Like I went through a phase, as I mentioned earlier, where I was a commentary channel. <laughs> um, and like, obviously, I, don't get me wrong, I think I still enjoyed some of that, but it wasn't as fun because I felt like I wasn't part of that community anymore. Yeah. And I, that is the one thing about being a Doctor Who YouTuber that I really do enjoy, even if you know, sometimes it's not always the greatest community to be a part of. There is still, I think, there is still a sense of community there. And I've met so many good people because of this. Like, you know, yourself, for example, like I wouldn't have been doing this with you now if I hadn't carried on making the content that I'm making now. No, absolutely. Um, and I, 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 you know, I obviously, as I said to you, um, in the future, I'm planning on really like evolving my content and like making 2021 the best year for the channel i suppose everyone does that does say that but like i'm you know i'm genuinely hopeful that i can do that yeah um and i so think i think we all that, can yeah. i think we all can because obviously yeah. with what's going on in the world we've all got a lot more time to because i think a lot of people forget that before 2020 which feels like ages ago now but like before 2020 for a lot of us like youtube was just a hobby like you know i had a job yeah. and all that sort of stuff it was just i did youtube when i could whereas from 2020 it was like right this pretty much is my job for the time being because yeah. i haven't got any other source of income but um no i mean yeah, i'm sure exactly. i'm sure your channel will go from strength to strength and one of the key features of your channel of course is you have a podcast of your own the Tharys I podcast. i very much do yes so, yeah again what made you want to um start that up and um how, how have to you found honest, it so far <laughs> the podcast doesn't have the most glowing of origins like most things <laughs> on, on my on my channel to be fair um to be honest the the first thing i thought was i need some longer form content because i knew that the the, the algorithm liked things when you talk for longer because hmm. uh, obviously you can put more mid-rolls in it was very cynical the way i looked at it <laughs> um so obviously, like the first episode was just me having a uh, you know a mate on who I who I met through doing this, hmm. um, and then over time I was like, oh, I wonder if I can get such and such on. And people always ask me, and they probably ask you the same as well. How did you get such and such? How did you get? Such? And you just, I mean, at least for me, I just ask. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. Um, and I th it's probably the same for you as well. Yeah. Um, like I've, it's weird because I've genuinely made friends through that podcast. Um. Hmm. I think one of the, the most 
prevalent examples would probably be Channel Pep, yeah. um, who obviously, if people don't know, is obviously a YouTuber. He also created the Absorber Law. Yes, he did. He, <laughs> he was basically kind of a mentor to me, especially through that sort of period where I was trying to make the channel better mm. after um, leaving that whole thing. And he was like, you know, obviously you've got to clean up your, your reputation a bit. And he, <laughs> he was sort of thought, yeah, he was sort of the one to sort of guide me in through that. Yeah. So I've always been uh, like, as well, just, um, just being helpful, um, you know, about like titles and thumbnails and tags and yeah. all that lovely it- stuff that they don't teach you how to do. <laughs> um it's so mad isn't it how how much i mean for anyone who doesn't know like anyone who's doing youtube and thinks oh yeah i whack on a thumbnail and title they are so much more important than like anyone realizes it's mad like yeah tags as well like tags are like Mm. the hidden thing that no one often talks about but they're like so crucial i find like um especially for like search terms and things like that Mm. um but yeah it's 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 a it's a very i've i very much enjoy like the podcast like the podcast has become one of my favorite things mm. on the channel, and I'm the despite it not being the most viewed thing, the audience really like really likes it. Like I get mm. comments sometimes being like, "When's the next podcast?" Yeah. Um, I have sort of scaled it back somewhat because I really want when I get a podcast episode out, I really want it to be on a guest that I find interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't want to just do one for the sake of doing one. Um, so obviously, uh, obviously, most recently. Uh, not much, but I, I, one before, one one after that. But um, obviously, like one of the biggest examples would be would be Nick Briggs. I got oh, him yes. on an episode, and that was that was like I honestly didn't think he'd say yes. Like I actually, the the whole way that happened is that um, I got recommended by someone like, hey, why don't you, you know, reach out to some like people from the show? Mm. I'll be honest, that like never even really occurred to me before because I was like, yeah, they'll be too busy. They're not gonna. They're not gonna you know have time for little old me yeah. um and i was like oh you know what forget it i'll just send one off to uh to nick briggs yeah and he was like yeah and i was like oh <laughs> i was a bit, bit nervous you know going in um and obviously um this sunday i i'm recording one with sophie aldred hey that's Ace. exciting uh, that's so exciting. that is very i'm, I'm very nervous as well though <laughs> because obviously I, you know, I know I know a fair fair amount of like classic who, but I'm not as well versed as someone like, for example, you had Maddox on. He's a you oh. know second Doctor Stan. God love Maddox. You know. <laughs> yeah, we all we all love Maddox. Um, he's very knowledgeable about it. Um, Lord Slar, who, yeah. who I talk to, he's like a very very concise. And like people like Josh Nares, obviously, mm-hmm. is is massive into classic who. But like you know, I'm I'm obviously gonna like have a binge of the Seventh Doctor just to make sure I get everything right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just to make sure that yeah. I have got my all my bases covered before I um actually make the thing. But yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. And um, I think as well, what I want to do is make more big projects. Like that yeah. is something I I, I want to do more of because um obviously I had the, my first truly big project was um a Doctor Who video essay I did. Uh, called Doctor Who has been stuck in a loop for a decade, mm-hmm. where I basically described how we've basically been in the same cycle of series since about 2010, mm-hmm. um, and it's not really changed um, in in a lot of ways. Um, and that video ended up getting like 46,000 views, which really took me aback. Yeah, because generally when I did stuff for myself, it didn't perform. Yeah, um, 
and like obviously don't get me wrong i enjoy doing the news videos and i enjoy covering that but there is a part of it that's like i do this i know it gets the results you know there yeah. is always that part of you that thinks that whereas with that like it was my first like video essay that i ever properly done obviously i'd spoken a lot to uh harbour worms beforehand i knew harbour worms um you know when you had like 1000 subscribers yeah he's blown uh, so up I mean, the last 12 months he has, hasn't he? yeah and i'm immensely proud of him and he really deserves it like if you ever talk to him like he works so so hard on, on videos and i think that really comes across in the final product yeah so i sort of i had the hankering to make a video essay and i had an idea for one and i just i ended up making it um and it really resonated which was really nice um and then like after that you had uh, how it's a pile at the tardis hmm. which was a completely different kettle of fish again because it was um basically an in-universe thing where like it teaches you how to pilot the tardis and it's based off of the uh the bbc book that they released a couple of years ago oh yeah, yeah. basically about the same topic um, and that got a fairly fairly good reception. I remember being disappointed at the time because of how well the the loop video did. But then I was like, I can't compare like one of my best like performing videos ever to that. And I think that's something as as well that I've learned is that you can't expect everyone to be a winner. Like you can't ex- yeah. you just can't expect that. It's you know it is tough. I mean, last year in December, this, uh, not last year. Sorry, I keep forgetting. It's twenty twenty one, December twenty nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> um i back in like 2016 17 i made well very low form content like i i'm a big fan of who wants to be a millionaire and what i did mm. was i took i found a lot of like the full games of the millionaire winners weren't on youtube like in full they're all in like parts oh, yeah. so i was like right well i'll just take the parts you know edit them together and it's one long video and there was one i did of an american winner and uh did that in 2017 you know no views pretty much i was like whatever then in December, I look on my analytics, it's like a sharp up. And I'm like, what's going on? And now that video's got like nearly 3 million views just because the yeah. algorithm like picked it up. And I'm like, out of all of my videos, like this is the lowest form of content oh, no, exactly. there is. Like, it's not a good like, sell for the channel. But, no, um, exactly. Yeah. No, the algorithm's funny like that. But I get what you mean about bigger projects because I'm I'm looking to do that more as well in 2021. And I think... In 2020, from having uploaded daily most of the time, whilst I was happy with what I put out, like it was stuff I was happy with and a lot of my audience were, I, I wanted to make some more of, like you say, those longer form, more effort videos. But then when you sit down yeah. and you realize it's going to take more than like one day, maybe even like a week, you're like, ah, oh, I don't have the time. So I'm looking yeah. forward to dedicating the time to bigger projects. Yeah, me, like, yeah, me too. Because like that was um, the, the loop video, for example, that took me a good, I, th- I think it was a week. Mm. um probably probably longer if we count all like the scripting time and that um because it was my first one as well so i wanted to make sure i got it absolutely right yeah um and like i did as much as i possibly could to try and make it like succeed but like even when you do that like there's no guarantee of it like no um i was kind of sort of tactical about how i did it because um harbo obviously we spoke earlier he was blowing up at the time especially so i sort of use similar tags to him so i could get recommended alongside him so that helped i also yeah. got him to cameo in the video so again that helped you could do the feet um, harbo homes in in, in harbo Holmes in the title yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i changed that afterwards because he was in it so briefly um <laughs> and I, I felt bad about facing people um <laughs> and obviously i put the the new the at the time new dalek which we'd just seen a new image of at the time so i was really hoping that like all those things would come together 
and the stars would align and thankfully that they did like that was that was really cool but then you do the same thing sometimes and it just doesn't yeah it doesn't happen you know Um, it really is a a shot in the dark youtube pretty much oh no exactly like i did a similar one similar sort of video essay on the um cybermen Mm. and how their like motivation is slowly like being deleted over the course of new who i said deleted because obviously it's a funny pun yeah (laughs) yeah so um i obviously did that video sort of not expecting similar results but like hoping for a sort of similar runaway success as you always sort of do when yeah, you make yeah. these things. And it and it got to about two thousand six hundred odd views. Mm-hmm. Um and that was a shame as well because I think that's probably like one of the best videos I've done. Mm. Uh it actually had a substantial cameo from a YouTuber this time around. It was um Jack Wolf who uh, oh, does yeah. a couple of Doctor Who video essays. Mm-hmm. He actually had a substantial cameo. So um yeah, a bit disappointing that that one um didn't do what I wanted it to do. But again, as you say, it's a complete shot in the dark. Which is why I would always say to like new people who want to get into it, don't go into it expecting to make it your job. Yeah. Because it's so inconsistent. Yeah. That it's just yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, I, I had it's that wild. last year where I had when the when the pandemic started. You know, I was I I wasn't in a job, but then I was just having a really good few months on YouTube earnings wise. Mm. And then in my head, it was that little thought, oh, well, if, if this continues, like, when this is over, I can do this, I can do that. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, one month, <laughs> it just crashed, like, massively. And it was the algorithm and all that. So, yeah. Remember, kids, this isn't a stable job. Do yeah, something no, exactly. else. exactly. But, um... Like, mine is essentially, like, a hobby. Yeah. Um, because, obviously, I do sixth form currently. Mm. Um, and, obviously, I'm contemplating uni or not with the state the world's in. Yeah. If it's, if it's not, like, I may very well try and do this for a year um and see how like i can actually do dedicating full time to it but i acknowledge the fact that it's probably not going to become a full-time thing and i'll probably still end up going to uni at some point yeah if i you know if i do decide to take that gap because of current world circumstances you know? <laughs> um no, but yeah it's um yeah it's one of those it's it's a very it's very inconsistent but a lot of fun so you just got to enjoy the highs while you're on them but also like accept that when you're on a low it's not necessarily your fault yeah all the time it's the way the cookie crumbles i guess no that's it but i mean as you say like a lot of the uh, talking point about your channel is doctor who so i'm curious of what your <laughs> doctor who journey was if you like like how did you get into the show what was like your first encounter with it and all that sort of stuff yeah okay so my first doctor who episode was the next doctor with uh, David Morrissey. It was the 2008 Christmas special. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how I ended up stumbling across it. I think I, I may have facilitated this memory over time, <laughs> but I think my dad was like, because he's one of those who like remembers Tom Baker. Yeah. You know, he's one of those who's like, yeah, yeah, I remember watching this as a kid. Curly hair, you know, floppy like scarf. <laughs> yeah, a couple, couple times, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think he probably just put it on thinking, oh, yeah, it's something for kids and it's Christmas, you know, whatever. Um, and I ended up really enjoying it. It's kind of weird, actually, that I ended up enjoying it as much as I did, being as it's not a very good introductory Because <laughs> you've got, like, another Doctor and a massive Cyberman. Yeah. It's, it's not a very conventional story. And you've got, like, Cyber Shades, which are, like, Cybermen but dogs. It's 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 a very weird story. I still have a soft spot for it, um, which is why I was generally genuinely nervous for it going into um, Mr. Tardis's Cyber Samba. Um, yeah. Because I was like, oh, yeah. my, my childhood's going to get ripped to shreds. I mean, to be fair, like all the points that he made were valid. It's just, no, yeah. you know, it's like, 
you know so um yeah that was that was my first sort of doctor episode and then the following year i think i was got given like two of the side men for christmas at some point um and that was like obviously my first introduction to classic who yeah um and that remains probably like one of my favorite like i think it's my favorite sideman story mm. and probably one of my favorite doctor stories in general it's just so well done mm. and just like well paced for a classic who story because i do find that some of them do drag um yeah. but i think it is extremely well paced and it's got a great sense of atmosphere as well mm. no it holds up so well it was one of yeah. it was my very first but it was one of my first classic who as well and i think as a as a jumping on point for classic who it's a really good place to start like because you get the cybermen and you've got the new team dynamic with victoria and that you have that i mean you have that whole introductory scene in the tardis it's like okay cool great this is a good introduction so no i yeah i, no, I love completely. it but I'm it, glad I was actually bought that one because, as you said, it does act as a good introduction because yeah. you have uh, that scene at the beginning where they're introducing the TARDIS and the companions and the Doctor and, and yeah. his age and all that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, like that's probably as well something to do with like why I think the Sidemen are my favorite because my first two were Sidemen stories. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that probably has something to do with my Sideman bias. But obviously, once I'd watched The Next Doctor um, and Matt Smith eventually came on the following year i went back and watched all the all of the old stuff mm -hmm. um what was sort of weird about like my doctor who journey is that like i guess in a lot of ways doctor who wasn't my main doctor who and what i mean by that is that obviously um when i obviously grew up with it it was still very much i was probably like one of the only ones who liked it like my brother liked it when he was younger but obviously doesn't so much anymore and obviously it was still very much that dynamic of the parents decide what's on TV. Oh yeah. So more often than not, I'd end up having to watch some talent show of some variety. And I think that also contributed to my absolute distaste and like hatred of talent shows mm. um, because I always used to miss Doctor Who as a result. Yeah. Um, so I ended up watching a lot of Sarah Jane when I was growing up. Um, mm. And like thinking about it, it was kind of weird for me to have the reaction to a female doctor that I did being that like the most, like she was basically the first female doctor. I mean, yeah. I know technically Joanna Lumley, who kind of, but like <laughs> in terms of like one with a long standing tenure, that's basically what Sarah Jane was, um, mm. you know? And so I think like that, that, like she was almost my doctor in a way for a while. And um, wow. obviously like Matt Smith um, was, I, I would say Matt Smith is my childhood like doctor. Mm -hmm. um but i would say like for you know when i was really young like which one i remember the most it would be it would be uh of sarah jane yeah. no that's fair i mean and, and for what it was sarah jane i don't think i watched on broadcast i think i only watched like the first two seasons but i mean for, mm. for what it was it was a great introduction for maybe kids as well who either were at the age or like especially i think for the younger end though you know who maybe were a bit too yeah. young at that point for doctor who but then could grow into it and i mean yeah i mean elizabeth Sladen is just great anyway i think we all know oh that, yeah she's so. outstanding like yeah. she she i think i remember being really sad when when she when she passed away like yeah. i remember that being the first celebrity death that i actually you know sort of as a kid really felt like oh yeah because really you had sad, that connection you know? to you know from the yeah from exactly the Sarah jane adventures so that's where that'll that'll be from yeah so, uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, gone. No, no, I was just going to say, so Mo obviously that was, your start was with the next Doctor and then you had Matt Smith and all that. So with um, 
with this current era, and feel free to say what you like. So what is it <laughs> on the whole? Obviously, you've said on the unlike the whole. If you were to generalize it, you're not the biggest fan of the current era. No, so just no, like as, not, no. as succinctly as you can, what would you say for you is what's not clicking for you? I think there's a, there's a there's a couple things. I think most pressing. Uh, it's a very basic critique to say, oh yeah, the writing, but like <laughs> I feel as though for me, I think. One of the big things is the characters. Sure. I think the characters don't feel like as, as developed as they should be by now. Um, like obviously, I grew up a lot with the Matt Smith era. As I said, he was like, he was like, like David Tennant was my first Doctor, but like Matt Smith was the first one that I watched from start to finish. Mm. Um, so like, even if you look at his tenure, like in the first episode in like Eleventh Hour, they do so much to characterize his Doctor mm. and. Uh, you know, how Amy lives and her as a character and the people, you know, in Ledwood, obviously we don't really see them again, but Rory is well-developed in that episode, so is Amy. And I think that episode just does a really good job of introducing characters and essentially just characterizing things really well. And then obviously that carries on throughout the series where there's that whole arc of, you know, the Rory being a sort of jealous husband slash boyfriend because... Mm. Amy's just ran off with this other guy and in the yeah. end Amy decides that Rory's the right uh, man for her. Whereas like I, obviously Series 11 in particular there wasn't really anything like that. Um, it was just sort of like yeah, we're three people who who are here and we want to go travelling with you. <laughs> series 12 it did get a bit better I will say. Like I mean to be fair, it's, it's, it's mean to say that Series 11 didn't have any character arcs because there was the one about Grace's death and uh, Ryan and Graham, that that was probably like the strongest, one of the strongest parts of series length for me was that arc yeah. of those characters. Um, but obviously Yaz in series 11 had little to nothing to work with. She was literally, I think she was literally for the longest time, just a blank slate. Series 12 comes along and it does get a bit better. Um, I think the reverse thing sort of, ha- sort of happens in series 12 where it's like, um, Yaz gets most of the focus and Ryan and Graham are just sort of there. Um, And I think that's probably why I'm glad they've gone now um, because they felt like spare parts in in Series 12 a little bit, especially Ryan in particular. Because Bradley Walsh, even if he's given nothing to work with, he's always fun to watch. So it's like he feels like he has a reason to be there, to be the comic relief, as sort of Missy says in uh, Series 10. Whereas, like, with Ryan, he just sort of felt especially like he was there. I think there's, like, one shot in Ascension where it just looks like he's fallen asleep. Wow, <laughs> bless him. Um, but, yeah, the characters, I think, are probably the main thing for me. They just don't quite feel as developed as they should be. Um, mm. I think the sort of, I guess as well, like, the, the plots seem very sort of low stakes and kind of, again, especially in Series 11, they feel quite low stakes in Jarek. Series 12 did up the stakes somewhat. Um, but again, I think Revolution is a good example because it kind of markets itself as this big Dalek story of the Doctor's in prison and it's this big massive thing. And the Daleks is disposed of in like 10, 10 minutes. And mm. it doesn't, to me, it doesn't have that feeling of stakes that something like a Stolen Earth Journey's End does, yeah. where, you know, the whole world is on the line. I think part of the reason as well is that we don't really know many of the characters in this world. So sure. when we see the the, uh, the the Earth in the Chibnall era put under threat, it's like, oh, 
the earth. I guess that's bad. Um, it's kind of like how in Battle Around Square of Carlos as well, uh, you have Tim Shaw firing the beam at earth. And I think that would be so much more effective if we'd actually spent any time with like, you know, any characters. So we could like flash to them and be like, oh, I mean, even if they just had like, um, I don't know, like Yaz's family like flash and like they get incinerated and stuff. Um, but that doesn't really, yeah, that doesn't really happen a lot. There's not much like world building, especially when compared to RTD. Moffat was more um, concept based, I think, mm-hmm. um, than, than like world building, which I think that kind of worked because he could kind of coast a little bit off the work that RTD had already done. So he could almost explore the bigger concepts. But now that we're like 10 years from, ten, like not even 10 years, like 20 years removed almost from, you know, Russell T. Davis's start in 2005, it's, I think there's less of an opportunity to sort of, you know, make us care about the world because, oh yeah, remember these characters. Um, yeah, so there's that. Um, I'm trying to be, think of everything. I think as well, um, I, I obviously, I'm not a big fan of the, the Timeless Child arc. Okay. Uh, Everyone's favourite. Everyone's yeah, favorite. I know you. I know you said to. Um, I think it was the Ace Creeper one. You said you quite enjoyed it, and that's fair enough. I can see why people enjoy it. Like, don't mm. get me wrong. I can see the appeal. Uh, I think just for me, it, it removes a lot of what makes the Doctor as a character special to me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like, so yeah, that's not. I'm not a big fan of. I think yeah, there's just a, like there's just a lot of things that that just don't quite. I think underneath a lot of it, there is a really good like era of Doctor Who trying to get out. Yeah. Like, I, I do definitely see glimmers of, like, potential there. But I think quite often it's just let down by, like... I, I hesitate to say sloppiness because that sounds a bit mean. But, like, I guess just... It just doesn't quite fulfil its potential in the way I, I would probably want it to. You feel I like it's it, not slotting in, like, that final piece of the, yeah, of the jigsaw almost, to yeah. get it there, yeah. Because as well, it feels like I, I, I haven't had a definitive moment with 13 yet. Okay. Like, for me... I, I, the closest I felt was in Haunting Ability of Darcy, mm-hmm. where there's that, that scene about team structure and yeah. being flat. And that, that scene was the closest I got to feeling like, oh, yeah, that's the Doctor. Um, I also find it weird that I said this in, um, I think it was the podcast I did earlier, so it's fresh mm-hmm. in my mind. But I also find it weird that they introduced a Doctor, which by all accounts, intru- uh, it, by all accounts, fixes a lot of the problems that people like me have with Jodie Whittaker's Doctor in the form of Joe Martin's Doctor mm. in the middle of Jodie Whittaker's tenure. That, that's, that's to me, is still a very weird choice um, because I find Jodie, I'm not a big fan of, of the comedy of it. I, I, I mean, I, that might sound a bit hypocritical saying that, like, you know, Matt Smith is one of my favourites, but, like, <laughs> at least with Matt Smith there, it felt like there was a reason behind the comedy because he was sort of an old man trapped inside a young man's body. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he does cringe humour, you can kind of pass it off as old man trying to be cool and even the same thing can be applied um to 12 in like series nine even though i don't like series nine and i'm not a big fan of the whole rocker arc um (laughs) that can be explained away but 13 that's just how she is and like i guess that's fine but it's just not my cup of tea personally yeah, it, it is interesting, and, like, and and thank you for sharing those views, by the way. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's it's, it's all right. So fa- I was trying to be as thorough as possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's better than you just being, like, 13 bad because yeah. bad. <laughs> it's like, no, I think as well, like, for, for me at least, this entire era, like, I, I, I'm not saying it. It's not perfect by any means. I don't think any era of Doctor Who is, but I think... No, not at all. 
I think a lot of it, in in my opinion, I'm not saying this is fact, but like in my opinion, I think a lot of it with everyone's views could debatably also be down to like where they're at in life, maybe. Because like yeah, for me, with me, like when Jody came in, like I was I was living in um, like a house I was renting, I was doing you know a job, I was quite comfortable if you like. And when I sat down for Doctor Who, which really was I didn't watch much telly, and it was one of the few things I sat down for. I was sitting down for an hour of just like you know good entertainment and good fun and for yeah. me series 11 and 12 for me were really good fun i enjoyed a lot of yeah. the stories yes i agree that like maybe the the stakes of each thing aren't as high as previous eras or you know things things that you mentioned but i think for me yeah, just yeah. At, at this point in my life like i'm okay with that like i'm happy just being so and i'm not trying to say i'm like a lazy no, yeah, I, do, no, I, I do critique it yeah i think just if if i was still in my teenage years i know because i was a teenager when uh, matt smith was on and i was so yeah. like picky i was like no you can't do this and da, da, da. like if i was a teenager now or especially not your age i mean like 13 14 yeah, yeah. i would be probably all over the internet being like this is this is terrible blah 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 so i think i'd argue there's part part of that to do not saying anyone's wrong but i think for maybe in 10 years i'll look back and go ah, do you know what i don't really dig that now but as it stands at the minute i just enjoyed the sort of lightheartedness of it i guess yeah i think that's totally fair um i think though what i will say as well on the on this whole sort of um tone sort of side of it because mm. obviously you're saying how when you're a teenager you thought oh yeah matt smith a bit cringy you know like all the <laughs> the cringy i think this era has a bit of like an identity crisis on what it wants to be mm-hmm. in terms of tonally because okay. you'll have some things that are like very light romps um and very sort of you know as i said like quite light and breezy kind of like a season 24 sort of territory yeah where it's yeah. kind of not much consequences it's just a bit of fun but then you'll also have bits where it's like you'll have obviously the timeless child arc which is meant to be a very sort of brutal sort of arc and you'll have people dying or like because <laughs> people do die a lot more in this era than they did in like the moffat era for example yeah um and that's what I mean, like, this era feels simultaneously more soft, but also more brutal at the same time. Mm. And I, what I will say as well is that, um, I guess, in terms of um, what it wants to be in terms of product is kind of all over the place as well, because Series 11 very much wanted to be fresh start, all new things, mm. you know, and very much the back to basics Doctor Who, which I think, you know, as that, I think it can still be done better, but I acknowledge that that was what it was going for. And it did somewhat succeed, obviously, because it did very well uh, ratings wise, yeah. uh, especially in the, like, the introductory episode. Um, but then obviously you get to series 12 and it's like that switch is completely reverted the other way. It goes a full 180 over to, um, you know, let's bring back all of this. Let's bring yeah. back, you know, let's talk about the Morbius doctors. So, and Captain so, Jack and... so would you say then when it's like, when you say about an identity crisis, is it that you feel you've got the two extremes, but there's not a balance, like one minute yeah, it's here and yeah. then one minute it's here. It's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I think RTD did a very good job of balancing, um, you know, casual audience and um, the sort of fan pleasy bits that you'd want to see. Like I think, um, I think Moffat went a little bit too far with um, the fan servicey stuff, which is probably why people sort of um, tuned out. A I bit also more think he used the word sexy way too much. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. That is very, very true. It's a true. little like, bit uncomfortable in places. Like... I really I really did notice it. Like, obviously, as a kid, I didn't really pick up on it because mm. you don't. Um, 
upon rewatch, yeah, it is an awful lot. Like, uh, I think River is the character I notice it the most with. Yeah. Or Missy, to be fair. Missy can be quite... Yeah. Um, What's that line, though, Eleven about says about Clara? About, like, a, a oh, mystery yeah. wrapped in a skirt that's just... Yeah, that too... is a weird line. I'm just like, what? what I will say um, about the whole Eleven thing is that, obviously... You know, those those bits are weird. Like, that Jenny scene just didn't need to be there in uh, Crimson Horror. Hmm. But I, I don't think that that's enough on its own to completely discredit, the, the, like, that entire character. Like, oh, no, I've not at all. Because yeah. yeah. um, some people just go, oh, yeah, Eleventh Doctor worst because of that. I'm like, well, that's not really fair to the rest of the characterization. And also Matt Smith as an actor who I feel as though gives, like, some of the most consistent performances and some of the most, you know, great performances in the show overall mm. for me like i think obviously peter capaldi you expect him to give great performances because he's peter capaldi yeah. um, matt smith was an unknown and mm. i think as an unknown he did just so well um and as well he had a big like role and a big shoes to fill so oh, yeah. that's, another, that's another thing we we tend to forget is that the the show was almost cancelled when david tennant was leaving because they thought it's not going to survive without him so to have matt smith come along and basically not only keep it going, but make it even more popular in terms of like the American audience and stuff like that. Mm. I think that was a big achievement. And I think we need to give more props for that and um, more props to Matt Smith, to be honest. Like, I think he just deserves um, so much more praise than what he gets. Um, no, yeah. He's a wonderful actor. I'll give him that. I mean, like my, my stance on like Eleven's era, like it's not in my highest of regards, but n it's nothing to do with Matt Smith at all or his characterization. Yeah. It's more that I feel personally, I mean, granted, I haven't watched particularly series seven in quite a while, five and six yeah. I did recently. And I just feel like whilst Matt's characterization is great, I think I feel Moffat's on occasion maybe got a bit too clever for his own good and yeah. not that that's underestimate i'm not saying he thinks the audience is stupid because oh, no, audiences no, aren't but agree. like series six i think what always rubbed me personally the wrong way even i remember on broadcast right from the start you know it's this whole setup of the doctor's going going to die and i think whilst that may be it's an interesting concept I think introducing it right at the beginning of your your series and like this is what it's going to be yeah. for 13 weeks because obviously, like, I know we use our imagination, but we all know the Doctor's going to be fine unless they did, like, a complete 180 surprise yeah, yeah, regeneration. Exactly. But So I think as soon as I saw that, I was like, right, well, I just hope... And ju I don't know, just for me, the build-up to what, you know, the resolution of it wasn't as strong because he, th he showed his hand so early. Yeah, I've always said... I've, I've, I still, to this day, find Series 6 confusing. So you're not alone <laughs> there at all. Yeah. Um, like, for me, I've always said the... I would say the RTD era is the most consistent era of, of New Doctor Who. It's mm. the one that, like, is the best in terms of quality. But if we're talking about the one that I prefer the characters in and the one that I prefer, like, the vibe of, mm -hmm. I would go for the the early Matt Smith stuff, like, the you know, Series 5 to 7. Yeah. Um, I sort of have, like, I think another thing about the Matt Smith era as well is that it's kind of the middle child between two very significant doctors. And what I mean by that is obviously you have 10, who's like not only the fan favorite, but like general audience favorite. Yeah. Um, and then you have Peter Capaldi, who's a, a big favorite among more people, I guess, for lack of a better term, who are, you know, in like fan circles that people really like. 
yeah. Capaldi's Doctor a whole lot. The Peacock so stands feel... are a strong army. Yeah, and obviously I I know that you mentioned that I did a video about a certain Doctor being overrated, which I'm sure <laughs> we'll, we'll come to at certain yeah. points. But um, yeah, so I think that's another reason people tend to give Smith the old overlook because he's in between two very popular Doctors from two very different sides of like the fan base, one being the general audience and one being like the hardcore fans. Yeah. So I think that might be part of the reason as well. But like, yeah, you know, and as well, I think for me personally, like the Matt Smith era is a lot better tonally than the Peter Crowley era overall. Mm-hmm. I find I like the dark vibe of series eight, but that's kind of abandoned by series nine because they yeah. start doing this whole sort of, yeah, rocker doctor th- and woo. I fun. think I think like had that rocker persona because obviously that carries on into series ten as well. I think mm. I, I've been happy with it there in series ten. I wish in series nine they'd sort of gone for between eight series eight and ten. Like I still love yeah. most of series nine because I mean Capaldi's my favorite Doctor. I make no secret of that. But um, yeah, I do remember at the time, especially when series nine first broadcast, that just how jarring the shift was from the end of like yeah, it felt uh, really Death weird. in Heaven to to this. It's like oh. Okay, and yes, as you said, like I know he's he's gone on like a journey. He's had things happen to him. He's experienced things, but even with that backstory, it's still a big shift. Yeah, like, even then, it felt like it wasn't really earned. It's yeah, just sort of feels... like you just show up and he's like this now, and you just got to yeah. be like, series right. nine should have been the process of getting to that point. So then, series ten is him at his most relaxed, most like rocker yeah. stage. It's but like um, if you. It's like, whether you like the movement of Smith's character or not from a more sort of, you know, still a goofy character, but he, he you know, he hides that a lot to, to more, he hides a lot of dark stuff yeah. to a more sort he of... He hardens up a bit, yeah. Yeah, to a more, like, sort of... Because, like, Series 7, he's kind of a bit more of a goofball, but then, obviously, you have the, um you know, the whole Amy and Rory thing, which does sort of send him back down to sort of more serious, and then... Mm. um. Whether you like what they do with his character or not, you got to admit that it was gradual and it was yeah. explained well. So, like, for example, obviously you have Angels Take Manhattan where Amy and Rory leave. So when you pick back up with him in The Snowmen, it makes sense that he's now all sort of gone all Ebenezer Scroogey. It is all quite, you know, quite serious because he's still mourning from the loss of those companions. Mm. Whereas with Capaldi, it's just like series ends, everything's fine series begins he's a completely different character and there's not really much reason as to why um, yeah so i think yeah that's certainly also um one thing i will say is that the um the, the i do agree with you that the um the doctor dying thing really did get overplayed in the Moffat era like i swear <laughs> every other series the doctor was dying um <laughs> but like i will say i think the best implementation of that is in series 7b mm. um and the re- reason i think that is because I think thematically it really works um, in terms of he he knows he's di- he knows this is his last incarnation, mm-hmm. um, so he's basically just doing like one more you know happy trip around the universe like with Clara um, before it's t- it's too late to do it again, um, yeah. and obviously he he literally goes back to a place that he took Susan like right at the very beginning um, in Rings Back Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that whole speech about rings about in rings back ten where he's like, I've lived for so long, you know, mm-hmm. and all this, and he he knows that like death is is soon. Um, yeah. And don't get me wrong, I don't think rings back ten is great, but I really do like the speech, <laughs> and I think thematically it works really well. So, and then obviously, before he dies, 
he gets to reflect on his past in the form of the 50th, mm -hmm. which is kind of a very meta way of like him sort of accepting unlike sort of coming to terms with what he's done in the past and um you know fixing the mistakes of his past by um and doing the whole Gallifrey thing yeah, yeah um and obviously I know some people don't like that but in the terms of Eleven's arc that makes a lot of sense yeah um because he's he's resolving the thing that he's been hiding for so long and then obviously in time of the doctor you finally get into see you finally get to see him become the old man that he's always been on the inside um, and I think it's just a perfect conclusion to his arc. I, I really want to do a video on why Series 7B is really good thematically. Um, because oh, I there you go. Think, Keep your eyes peeled, everyone. That's coming. Yeah, that, so. probably, that probably will come in February at some point because it's been on my mind for a while. So no, that'd be good because uh, I feel a lot of people, and I've done it myself. I do, as I say, Series 7 I haven't watched in a long time. I need mm. to go in. And now, I mean, I need to rewatch it. But I feel a lot of people don't like, or when they say, oh, why don't you like Series 7B? is because of Clara and yeah. admittedly what they compared to like Clara in that series 7b compared to how I think she develops in Capaldi's time yeah I get it because I know they're setting up the mystery she's the impossible girl but for me it was always well as soon as that gets solved you know what is there and I yeah. think I think in Capaldi's era not only did I think she gelled with him better but I also think it it gave her more of a purpose beyond being this big mystery that revolves around See, I'm the gonna world. give you I'm gonna give you a hot take. Oh go for it. I go for it. I prefer Clara with Eleven. Ooh, and I think okay. she's a more enjoyable character in series seven B. Um, and the reason I say that is predominantly just because I really don't like the arc that they give Clara because they give her this arc of basically wanting to sort of become like the doctor. Mm. Um and it's it's pointed out in Flatline that that's a bad thing and like Capaldi's like no, you, you, you being, you know, you can't, like being the doctor isn't a good thing. You were a great doctor, but goodness had nothing to do with it. I think that's the line. Yes, um, yeah. And like, so it's building up the idea that she's becoming more and more like the doctor and that they're not necessarily good for each other. Um, mm. Because like, he's basically making her inadvertently more toxic. Um, and then series, like, and like her finale comes around in series nine and she's given her own TARDIS and basically the thing that we were told she should never become she gets to become and I think it's really like that that's the worst way they could have ended her character to me is giving her the one thing that it's been established that she should never have because yeah. <laughs> they literally give her a full-on companion in the form of a shielder and they give her you know they give her, her own TARDIS and it's like that's yeah. literally the opposite of what you should have ended it you yeah. should have ended with her dying in Face of the Raven trying to be the Doctor. And yeah. that would have been the perfect end for her. So, like, that's another reason why Hellbent. I need to do a Hellbent as well. <laughs> so uh, many run video, like, so many videos to... that I just need to make. I'll know? combat you on that because I'll defend Hellbent. Oh, you, you do a video ranting about it. I'll do one defending it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll pretend like we have massive beef. <laughs> <on this. laughs> yeah, massive beef. Like. But I think, like, I'll, I'll come to that at Clara's ending in a moment, but, like, I get yeah, what yeah. yeah I get what you mean and you're right like yeah the the Capaldi art for Clara is that she's be she's becoming more like the Doctor and they're not necessarily good for each other but I I kind of liked that aspect because whilst it, obviously it's nice for a Doctor and a companion to have a good chemistry and they really get on we'd mm. never really seen to that degree you know that sort of dynamic actually what if they actually don't get along, but not like say the Sixth Doctor and Perry, where they just shout yeah, in the tar. Yeah, I was just gonna say. But to the point where like there's actual consequences of it. Like, yeah, I know yeah. everyone bashes Kill the Moon, 
But that that like closing argument, you know, where she says basically, "How dare you leave me to make that sort of choice?" I yeah. kind of like that argument because it's like you haven't really seen to you know to that degree the doctor just leave someone in that stakes to let him do it and yes yeah. clara's ending face the raven feels justified because it's like despite all this she's still carried on it's the doctor's almost like like a drug she can't get off yeah and this is the result and yeah up to there i agree like i i, I don't know i really like that more sort of their bad for each other vibe the thing about that that doesn't quite work for me is that clara's never called out for being toxic it's always painted as, or at least from what I remember, most of the time it's painted as the Doctor is the one in the wrong, Clara is the one in the right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is an imbalance of power there, and I think that's where the whole Clara Who sort of meme came from <laughs> during like Series 9, where it's like, this is basically Clara's show now. Yeah. Um, uh, and like I think I'd like it a lot more if she was also called out, because like, lest we forget... She literally, you know, threatened to slap the doctor at one point. And like that's whether, you know, whether it's justified, like whether it's um, whether her reasoning for doing that makes sense or not. That's still not something that we should really be like, I guess, encouraging, especially sure. not on a kid's show. Like, yeah. yeah, it's OK to threaten to slap someone if you think it's justified. It's like, nah. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think I think if she was sort of called out on her stuff a bit more often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'd I'd like it a lot more, but it, as I said, it does sort of give an imbalance of power, and I think that's another reason why I think I struggle to click with that era a bit because it feels as though the Twelfth Doctor, at least early on, isn't really given enough time to establish himself as much as I'd maybe like him to in you know Series Eight, and that, I think that's partly why he feels so all over the place in Series Nine because they ha- like obviously they had a good thing going. But they, you know, they needed to get dedicate more time to it, but they went in the complete opposite direction. Um, So, yeah, it's, that's a weird one. It's, um, yeah, as I said, um, I might as well talk about the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. I did a video with, um, with Harvo, who we mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. talking about why I personally think that era of the show is overrated. Boo, Um, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) And I got a lot of flack for saying that. Uh, No, I say a lot of flack. Um, A lot of people be like, what? No, Uh, what are you talking about? Um, but obviously, the reason I got Harbo in is because he felt very much the way you do, which is like the opposite. Um, and like I made, we, it was basically, it was a good debate. It basically turned in, well, you feel like this, or I feel like that, <laughs> as <laughs> it always should do. <laughs> as it always should do, yeah. yeah. But um, it was, it was a good debate, and I feel as though, um, like, because I, I remember tweeting that once that the twelfth Doctor's era is overrated, and it got like. A lot of comments because from Capaldi stands being like, (laughs) (laughs) there were some people who agreed with me though, which was nice to know that I'm not alone. That was that was something nice. The third Doctor is another one of those as well. Uh, Um, Yeah, I'm one of those people. Uh, (laughs) Where it's like the the Earthbound stuff doesn't really appeal to me as much. Mm -hmm. I think that's like the reason is part of the appeal is like the space stuff. I think the other thing as well is that I always looked up to the Doctor because they use their intelligence in situations um and they use their insight and don't get me wrong three still does that but i think it does take some semblance of it away from me like when you got the doctor people beating people up like well i can't do that i don't relate to this character as much if you sure. get if you sort of get what i'm trying to yeah trying no, to of say course. There. but yeah, yeah it's 
And that's that's what I mean by like Whitaker as well. I, I perfectly understand why she is people's cup of tea and they really enjoy her personality. I just don't and it's the same with with three um as well. I just don't really vibe with the whole action man sort of type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh especially when compared to like his much more, in my opinion, enjoyable predecessor being two. Yeah, I'm a bit of a two-star myself, you know, yeah. I quite enjoy it. Mad- Maddox quite will be happy to hear that, so. <laughs> yes, I'm uh, very much a second Aquaman. And as well, his successor as well, Tom Baker, is just massively iconic and See, I'm, I'm going to give my hot take now, and people who Ooh. listen to uh, my episode with Maddox will know this. And I'll, I'll preface it with this. Tom, as a doc, I love Tom Baker as a doctor. I think, you know, we mm. all do. He's, he's arguably the most alien. He's truly like someone who isn't part of this world. Very wacky, very colourful, yeah. very good. I'm just ready for you to go, and I despise him. <laughs> no, no, thankfully I do not despise him. But I think it's more, more about the era. I just feel a lot of those stories in the mid to late 70s when I say I feel like they're, they're a lot of the same, I don't mean obviously like the stories are exactly the same. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I don't know. I just, I, when I rewatch them, I just feel like I'm... Whereas like with, with three or with... Well, any of the classic Doctors for me... The thing is though, with three, know. I get three, I get that though, where it's very repetitive because it's like, oh, look, an alien. Mm. Quick, we must try shooting at it. Shooting at it doesn't work. <laughs> We must find another solution. It's it's and like the units all like like, like there a lot. Um and yeah. like the master shows up like every other episode. Um and it's like that to me feels quite repetitive. But I do get where you're coming from. Yeah. And for me, like Tom Baker, the best part is like the first part, as in like you know the bits with like the, where Holmes and Hinchcliffe are like running it. Yeah, like the when first it goes three into seasons. The Williams stuff. I'm like. Um, not yeah, so I feel I feel that's where it starts to go a bit. Well, it just I don't know. I don't even know what the element is. It just feels samey to me, and I don't even yeah. know what I mean. Like as I say, it's not. It's definitely not the stories. You've got a good variety. I don't there. think it helped that in the Williams era, like it is just sort of talked about. Clever Dick films. So I don't know whether you've like heard of, but he does yeah, yeah. like retrospectives on every Doctor's era. But like in the Graham Williams sort of time, he was getting like more and more control over it. And I think that might have been part of the reason because he felt like he sh- he knew what the show should be. So as a result, he wouldn't accept anything that deviated from his understanding of it. Yeah. Not really blaming Tom himself per se, but it's just a case of like an actor being given too much creative control um, yeah. over, over the finished product. Um, and I think that's why season 18 probably from like, you know, from what I can remember of it, again, I need to watch season 18 again, but um, I think it's an improvement because it is, you know, it's not his vision. Mm. Um, you know, JNT was very much, yeah, this is what I want to do with the show. You're not getting the freedom, deal with it. Um, and I, I almost sort of appreciate that approach yeah. uh, in season 18 like, compared to the Williams stuff. Like I've been very vocal that Invasion of Time is one of my least favorite Doctor Who stories of all time. Oh, and see, that's a fourth Doctor that, story. that is my guilty pleasure of the Baker era. I oh, love I can't, how I can't daft stand the Invasion of Time is. <laughs> I can see why you'd find it like fun to watch. Yeah. Um, from that from that perspective. Oh, I don't take it um, seriously. <laughs> yeah, no. I completely get why you would obviously feel that way about it. I think for me, it's just yeah. I I think as well because I went through this phase a couple of years ago. I was like, right, I'm going to sit down and watch a new Doctor Who story every sort of night. And I didn't do it with any sort of rhyme or reason. I just went, which one looks the coolest? Mm. Um, <laughs> I was like, probably still like 15, 16. Yeah. So obviously I ended up watching Invasion of Time because I'm like, 
Time Lords and Sontarans in the same episode, sign me up. And then I watch it and I'm like, what on earth is this? And yeah. I was, yeah, I think that for me was like a big disappointment. I guess it didn't help that I jumped into the key to time arc without knowing much about the key to time arc. Oh, yeah. That probably didn't that's... help. Um, well, feel our audiences like, in 1978 felt when they on the yeah, like, wait, what's this? What's going on? But, but yeah, that's, that's also, um, yeah, no, yeah. So, Invasion of Time, yeah, really don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all. Fair. But um, in, in terms but yeah. of what we like, though, is there what I like to ask uh, guests who like Doctor Who is I think we've all got that one story where. Like the general fandom, like the majority oh, yeah. doesn't like it, but you're like, oh, I actually kind of like it. Do you, do you have a story like that? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a lot of series seven. So, like, <laughs> Crimson Horror for me, I think it's quite a good concept. I think the best like, story out of season series seven is the Crimson Horror, personally. Like, don't get me wrong, you do have the like weird scene with Jenny, but other than that, I think the idea of this like, so like town that seems all perfect, but then like, the, the sort of people get hijacked and like, you know, dipped in like some weird acid. I can't really remember the episode that much. Uh, but it I remember thinking it was very like visually creative when you had like the people in like the globe things. Yeah. And it almost looked yeah. like they were like statuettes. That was, I think that was just a really cool concept. Um, so yeah, Crimson Horror for me, I think it's just a lot of fun as well. I yeah. think it's always fun when they go back to like the Victorian period because like, and as well, they do like Yorkshire accents at the beginning for a bit of fun. Kind of no. give me a, like sort of vibes of Tooth and Glory at the beginning. That made then. me feel recognised, the Yorkshire accent. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. representation, there it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, you got what you asked for with the, with the, the oh, series. As soon as they cast Jodie, I was like, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> and then obviously every subsequent character is like, is, is that now. Although we are getting a, a Liverpool. Liverpool, Liverpool man. For, Which I'm so happy for because I lived in Liverpool for six years. So I'm like, oh. yes, yes. Let's, let's... I guess for me, I live in Cardiff, so I've already been relatively spoiled in that <laughs> department. Um, That's where they've always been on Earth. It's like oh, it's London. No, it's Cardiff. Yeah. It's Cardiff. Yeah, I, it always it always irks me when they say we're in London. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I know exactly where you are, and it's not there. Well, that's yeah. me and Jodie's era when they're in Sheffield. I'm like, I know where that is, and I know where that is, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But I even noticed it in uh, Jodie's era as well because there's a scene in Spyfall Part Two where they're in a bridge and they're meant to be on their way to like London MI6 headquarters or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the Cardiff Bay like tunnel. Yeah. That's like the the one that you go through to get to like Cardiff Bay. That's not. That yeah. is not the bridge. To, uh, that's not a tunnel to London. He so uh, yeah. there's there's little things like that that you sort of pick up on and notice. Yeah. Uh, to flip- like, I mean, yeah. No, sorry, I was sorry, just going to say to no, flip yeah, it, to flip it on its head about asking you know the story you love that the fandom hates is there. Is there one where, you know, to flip it on the opposite, where the majority of fandom uh, loves it, but you're like, eh, don't know, not really for me. I mean, the weird thing is, like, I think with me, I acknowledge that if a, if a story is genuinely, like, quality, like, I, I'll i genuinely be like, yeah, it's not personally, even if it's not my thing, I'll be like, yeah, it wasn't my thing, yeah. but I acknowledge that it was well made and stuff like that. I guess... Like everyone freaked out about Fugitive of the Judoom when that came out, um, yeah. and now I just and, and like I just sort of looked at it and went, it's just fan service and Moffat like plot arc episode. This is the stuff you complained about two series ago. Yeah, and why why are you praising it now? Like that's the weird thing as well about um, that's another thing I was going to bring up about mm-hmm. this current era. 
is that I always find it somewhat hypocritical when people say, oh yeah, Moffat was too fan servicey and he had these like weird obscure arcs to do with classic who that no one understood. And then series 12 comes along and one of the major plot arcs is, oh yeah, you, you've got incarnations from before the first Doctor and, <laughs> you know, Morbius Doctors. And oh yeah, by the way, you know, Jack's back and Jaduna in it. I, just, I don't know. It's, I, I find it like, if you're going to hate it in one era, be consistent, I guess is my, my thing. I don't know. No, no, it's no, I, I agree. I mean, like with, with Moffat and like the, the callbacks, I mean, I think when people say, oh, there was too many, like too much fan service. I think what sometimes people forget is a lot of that was just one-liners and episodes. The one that always yeah. stands out to me. I remember when, um, what was it? The girl who died and the woman who lived, that one, the second part. There's a line mm. when he's talking to me in the library and he's, uh, she's like, oh yeah, Great Fire of London. Was that you? And he goes, no, that was the Terraleptals. Now, of course, if you know, that's a Fifth Doctor story where that happened. Yeah. But I'd argue if you didn't know that, that's not going to... Because, you know, the Doctor's no. saying random races all the time. That could just be another race. But I remember people online went mad. They were like, why are they referencing something no one would have seen? It's like, it was one line. Like, just... Yeah, that wasn't an issue. I think I think where, where it becomes difficult is when that's a major plot element. Right. Because, like, with, obviously, Timeless Children, for it, like, that's the most recent example of it. That is something that you need quite a bit of foreknowledge to understand and like general audiences i'm genuinely curious to know what they thought of timeless children like i literally because like you know i think a lot of fans were struggling to understand what it was trying to do initially so um what general audience people Mm. thought i had no idea revolution as well and yes it does have one-liners but they're a lot more frequent i noticed it in particular where it's like oh yeah here's rose here's gwen cooper here's um what's it called um jack's home planet they mentioned that oh i can't remember, I can't remember. but he's, he's from oh. the 51st century from wherever he's from yeah, yeah. That, that scene yeah yeah that that whole thing and it's like don't get me wrong i think a reference here and there is fine but like in that episode it seemed like particularly a lot mm. um i think that episode really wasn't welcoming to newcomers because that's one of the the um the strong things that this this era gets is yeah. that it's oh accessible. yeah it's accessible and i was like but is it though? Because I think half of it's a lot to do with fan service and more. Yeah. Well, it, so I mean, yeah, it yeah. depends. In terms of a general audience, one I always ask is my parents because whenever I'm home, they watch it with me, and they're like, yeah. you know, they're they're not like me and you who have like long discussions about it, but they watch it, you yeah, because they enjoy it. And I remember I was with them when the Timeless Children aired, and my rule is don't talk whilst the episode's on. Like, wait till afterwards, and then we'll talk. And I remember it finishing, and I, you know, turned to them and said, right, so. What, what did you think or what and my dad i remember was like well i get you know and like the whole tech Tayun story thing when it starts yeah. he was like i got all that he was like i know she sort of she found this child who had these you know regenerative properties she harnessed it created the time lords blah 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 i think the bit he was lost on was the whole thing with the division and i think that's where a lot yeah. of people were lost because to be fair and you know granted but we're recording this before series 13 is out Maybe this will get explained, developed, whatever. Yeah, from... I'm not convinced, but I mean... <laughs> but from what we've got so far, like from what it teased, it didn't really give you enough to be like, I've got a, even like a foothold of what this thing is. It's like, yeah, exactly. and I agree, like that Tech Tayun story, you have to admit, as a, uh, as a story, it's like, okay, she found this child, she basically yeah, like created the society, yeah. But then it's all this division stuff, like that woman being like, right, you know your mission. And he's like, yeah. It's like, well, we don't. What's the but mission? also... Also, as well, 
you've got Cyber Time Lords, which <laughs> to general audiences is just a very weird concept to try and grasp. Because, like, I, I mean, I know they explain it, but that's another problem I have with um, this year as well, is, like, the exposition is, like, so... It's, it's very much tell, don't show, rather yeah. than the other way around. Um, and I noticed that a lot in Revolution as well, because um, there's this bit in that in Revolution where it's like, oh, the lights are changing. It's like, well, we could tell. Um, and then and Jack's like, why, Doctor? It's like, these are the questions the audience should be asking. You shouldn't have to ask the yeah. questions for the audience. You know, you gotta, gotta give your audience a bit more respect than that. I mean, I get why there was so much exposition in The Timeless Children, because then it needed to be, <laughs> for lack of a better, like, because otherwise no one would have understood it. But at the same time, I think that for people who do understand what it's going on about, it's not the most fun thing to watch. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, so this is this and this is that. It's not what I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's... I, I agree. I there's been moments again, in this era where... Sorry, I just... Yeah. There's, there's no, moments yeah, in this on. era where, like, I agree, the exposition is a bit, like, more way too over the top, if you like. And I think mm. part of me thinks when I watch it now, I, like, I, I try and tell myself, like, to some degree, it feels like they are catering more for like newer, younger audiences, which on one hand, fair enough. Like you want the new yeah. generations in, but I think there's a finer line to balance it than going, as we said earlier, like going completely one side of the extreme. Like there's always a well, Yeah, exactly. Because I was just going to say, the RTD era did bring in a lot of new kid fans. Because mm. that's, that's I was very evident. Exactly. And mm. that's very evident by the fact that we're all here now and most of us have all watched the rtd era and like that's probably why we're fans now at least some of the you know like younger people yeah so you know so like with that though it didn't ever feel patronizing yeah. and as well to to um to older viewers as well because you've got obviously there are some you know people who watch classic who who accept that the new show isn't their their own thing but i've never heard one person say i felt patronized by it Mm -hmm. um because it was still quite intelligent even though it, it, it i think the difference with with um rtd is that he he kind of knew how to make something for everyone sure. whereas i think moffat was very good at making stuff that was like catered to fans or at least like his own interpretation of what fans wanted sometimes <laughs> he made a complete balls up of it um no no disrespect to Moffat, but yeah. it's just like you know if you could try and cater to all fans like eventually you're gonna you know do something that just isn't liked yeah uh, by no, of fans. Course, of course. um so i think he was very good at fan stuff and i think chibnall is very good with like little little children <laughs> and that sounds mean because it's like oh yeah you you're Doctor Who's only good to babies, but yeah. but like you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, kind yeah of. If, I do. Yeah. If you've got a really really young kid, like I feel as though this is kind of a decent jumping on point for anyone outside of that bubble. I don't think I like. I feel as though if I showed this to a, a friend my age, they they wouldn't get into it the same way that they might RTD's era, for example. Sure. Um, yeah. So I guess it's just like the difference between which showrunner caters for what audience. And I think that's why RTD works so well because he was kind of an all-rounder. He kind of could do it to everyone. He was just a madman. That's really, yeah. just he was operating on another level to the rest of us. I think he was. Um, and I mean, to be honest, with I think with this era, like all eras, it'll be interesting to see how how kind time is to it as time goes on. Like obviously, you know, it changes all the time. Like what I find funny is when I first got into Doctor Who, like 15 years ago, 
looking at the classics, the McCoy era was like almost universally hated. Like even yeah, the stories that, that were good. Popular. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's like now people love it, and I wonder. Like, I mean, I don't know if it happened, but maybe in fifteen years, people will look back on Jody's time and be like, "Yeah, yeah it, it, may, like, it may well." Yeah, it, yeah. I think it kind of depends. I think if the rumor, that rumor is true with yeah. this that'll probably age the podcast really well it's either gonna be confirmed <laughs> or denied um so good luck with that Thanks. but um you know if that rumor is true and we just get another series of the same i feel like it's gonna be like oh there's a bit of a, a bit of a missed opportunity in some aspects i feel like if they do a sort of sylvester mccoy type thing mm. where you have like the first two series where it's quite light, it's getting a bit darker, but then like have series 13 where it gets really dark and deep and dramatic and stuff. Like not really dark as in, yeah. you know, in terms of like violence or anything like that, but just like, um, you know, make the doctor more of a darker character make the stories a bit more complex. I mm. think if they do that and they make a really strong series for series 13, time may be a bit more kind to it. If it's just more of the yeah. same, I'm not sure, but like again, as you said, only time will tell. I think what you were saying, I'd briefly like to return mm. to the Sylvester McCoy thing. Yeah, I yeah, think go for it. The reason that era has sort of warmed up over time is because we're not in the 80s anymore. I think a lot <laughs> of people hated the hated the 80s era because it was the one that like got the show cancelled. Yeah. Um, and like obviously, you know, that was the era that was made fun of the most, probably. Yes. Yeah. Um, because you had, like, obviously, you had Michael Grade, who was very open about finding it really silly. And he yeah. was the guy running the BBC at the time. So, I mean, you know, that's naturally going to have an influence on how the general public view it. Because, mm-hmm. um, as well, I remember, like, you know, the Candyman being, like, the biggest joke ever. Um, even still, like, when I was, like, little, like, not little, but, like, when I was starting to get, like, more into the fan sort of community, I remember, like, everyone doing memes about the Candyman and stuff. But like now that people have reevaluated the Happiness Patrol, they realize the the genius of what that story was going for. Yeah. And like, yeah, it does look kind of silly and kind of you know sort of fluffy and cheesy, but that's kind of the point. It's yeah. meant to look quite artificial and sort of an artificial interpretation of what happiness is. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, as you say, it might be um, looked back on more with time. I think as well, the RTD era feels quite recent even yeah. though it's not. Um, so when you reference the RTD era, it's like, yeah, this is like, I don't, it's almost, I mean, to some people it is old enough to have nostalgia, but I, I feel as though sometimes it feels like references for references sake, if you sort of sort of get what I'm trying to say there. It's I like, do, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like when, it's kind of like um, if you had the, the Ninth Doctor coming in in 2005 and they referenced like you know the, the seventh doctor era a lot like the one that we just sort of seen like most recently mm-hmm. that might have i think people would have struggled with the show if it had done that yeah sort of, for sure yeah and as well because we gotta remember that there are people now who you know are 15 years old who you know may not have even seen the 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 RTD era and like we gotta we gotta accept that like it's not common knowledge to everyone yeah any like anymore at least so I think when you rely on it it's kind of it's a double-edged sword because um 
I think doing spin-off media with the Tenth Doctor is fine to a certain extent. Although I do think again he is kind of overshadowing Thirteen a little bit. Because that's the thing as well. Even though I'm not a big fan of this this like era in particular, I still think it deserves its time in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like when you're constantly hearkening back to an old era, it's like give give this one a chance. Like you know, it's it's sure. I think with this whole Time Lord Victorious thing and like so many references in the main show and all of this, mm. it it feels almost like he is the second Doctor alongside Jodie at this point. Because <laughs> yeah. um, there's been a lot of memes about that as well. It's just random shots of <laughs> the the Jodie era with like David Tennant just putting them. No, I've seen like, that. Yeah, I yeah, enjoy, I enjoy like, a good meme like that as long as that it's is, in that good is taste. A good meme. <laughs> yeah, and that is a good meme to be fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. There's a fine, as you said, there's a fine line to walk between. Oh, that's a nice callback to this is too much. You need to like slow down. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I suppose the question to go from that is, and we've all thought about this, if you were in charge of the show, what <laughs> direction would you want to, or but what would you want to do with it, basically? Uh, uh, yeah, um, I think for me, I think the Doctor as a character it's kind of at their best where they're not like a great person at the start. Mm-hmm. So I think my idea would be to have uh, the doctor do something wrong very early on in the incarnation's life. Mm-hmm. Cause I like the idea of, do you know how in the left hour he was going to take Amy as a child. Um, but then obviously that sounds really weird out of context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that she he's going to take Amy as a child. Um, and then obviously he didn't and he, came back 14 years later what if a doctor takes again this this sounds really wrong but i'm gonna say it anyway takes um you know a child who's like just met the doctor and they end up getting hurt Mm. and like that happens very early on in the doctor's life as a result of their post-regeneration they're not thinking straight you know so they feel guilty about that um and then years later they re-meet the companion who doesn't remember them and they've got to try and like you know, they're, they're very guilty about it. Yeah. And then, like, they keep it hidden away from the companion until, like, it all gets revealed. I think making a, a doctor have a, you know, a, a bad arc again would be a good thing. But I want it to be a more small scale thing than the Time War um, sure. that would be sort of more relatable. Um, I also quite like the idea, this might sound really bad, I like the idea of the doctor being depressed as a character and becoming more happy over time kind of similar to like how what they were trying to do with 12 but i think you know a bit more fleshed out than that and i would have it be a lot more gradual um of a change because i i like the idea of my doctors like like being quite having a a dark side to them i Mm -hmm. think trouton had it sylvester had it mine would be kind of like that but he would be dark a bit more often i suppose sure rather than using like comedy to hide it he would just be a bit more blunt about it but at the same time you know he would still have you know the occasional like when he when he smiles i want it to feel like an event almost where it's like oh he's enjoying it that feels really nice yeah. um and like that's a nice moment um so yeah that's probably what i would do with it have it be quite dark tonally um but obviously have it sort of mellow over time into being something lighter um i guess um, when I say dark tonally, I don't think that necessarily means death or destruction, but just the character of the Doctor should be quite dark and maybe have a companion that is quite light and bouncy, almost like an ace type character where they're mm. just like, they're 
or like a Bill type character where they're seeing the universe for the first time and due to their optimism and sort of just wonder at the universe, that's what helps our Doctor come out of his sort of depressive state. Mm-hmm. I think that's that would be what I'd like to do because I've done it before. Yeah, um, but I, I I'd want that to be like the main focus of the like the character's arc, if that makes sort of sense. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I probably would have a bit of a combination between classic and new Who traits, mm. because I acknowledge, even though I'm not a big fan of the romance angle, I acknowledge that for a for a general audience, if I want to get the general audience on board, they love a good romance subplot. <laughs> so oh, I yeah. think I probably would put a romance subplot in there. Mm-hmm. Um, just for that um and i think as well like that would make sense for a more vulnerable doctor i think yeah. that's why it works more for 10 than it would for say like a random other classic doctor mm-hmm. because he is more vulnerable as he's just gotten over the time war yeah. um and obviously you know when he meets rose as nine that's even more so so i guess it's yeah i think if you're going to do a love subplot like have it be a more vulnerable doctor who is basically nursed back into being um you know fun and like in, enjoying adventures again by Absolutely. the companion yeah that's probably it's probably what i would do um overall like and in terms of villains i would I, quite controversially i know that i think i think david said the same but i probably wouldn't bring back the master because yeah. i feel as though especially with what i would do is with the doctor is make them quite dark um mm. as a figure you, that's already kind of being expl- like the dark side of the doctor is kind of being explored in that instance there's not really any need to have a dark version of the doctor essentially which is what the master is um, sure, same, yeah. same would go for like the rani or the balliard or someone like that because that's basically just what those characters are when you boil them down is dark doctors you know? yeah so um yeah um i guess as well i think the daleks i would give them I would like give them like I would give the Doctor a new reason for hating them. Maybe the Daleks are the ones that killed the companion in the first place, mm. so he lashes out at them for that reason. Um, but then, the, but then the Daleks say something like, "You, you were just as to blame." That's a terrible line. You sort of get my. I, I get the sentiment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you get a sort of sentiment, but it's like, um, you know, he doesn't want he wants to something to blame and he blames the daleks but the daleks point out to him that you were just as to blame kind of similar to how like with the um with with dalek that there's that whole thing where it's like you're the same as us you killed people you're the same um and that sort of starts a whole moral quandary with the doctor um in dalek so kind of similar thing with that um again i suppose my ideas sound quite derivative but i guess like where it would differ would be tonally and i guess Mm. Uh, in terms of, I would have like I think less stories but longer. I think sure. Doctor Who needs to just be longer, maybe serialized, mm-hmm. maybe like have it be an hour, you know, long each episode and have like six or eight, um, and I th- like make it almost like movie length yeah. each episode and have it be, uh, have it follow one main plot line and each episode would somehow tie into the main plot line, not in a major way. I wouldn't want yeah, to be- yeah super alienating to like just people who want to watch casually but i guess a good example would kind of be i suppose like um in series five at the end of like every episode you see like the crack at the end i think Mm. stuff like that Mm. where it just sort of is thread throughout the series in a really like neat subtle way i would still have like and as well i suppose in like series two you have like the runaway bride where there's that scene with the ragnos where he's like you know i'm a time lord 
and it kind of builds up that sort of whole thing of like the planet's gone that's one of the arcs for the doctor and it's him getting over that so yeah yeah well, Stop. you've got yeah. you've got your pitch drafted up, ready to take to the BBC whenever the yeah. new showrunner. Just yeah, just darker, and I I think I would. Here's a here's a controversial thing. You know how I said that I would make the doctor. I don't like the doctor being important. Yeah, because uh, of all the times child thing. I would have him create a new race of Cybermen because okay. my I've had this idea for a while. I do want to make a story about it, and I probably will at some point. But I've had this idea one like um one day of the doctor getting injured um so he basically goes to like some sort of um tech like planet or location that he can go to 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 build stuff like it might even be the TARDIS um and he he tries to build something to basically fix himself and then inadvertently as a result of his desperation creates a Cyberman Okay. I quite I quite like that idea, and I think it's quite. It's, and it would give the Cybermen and the Doctor much more of a personal dynamic. Yeah. Um, in the similar fashion to what the Daleks sort of have, yeah, at least in series one and four. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think definitely I would do some fun stuff with the Cybermen for sure. Well, there um, you go. You can be expecting some short stories from Thary. Yeah, I probably will at some point. Yeah. No, you watch cool. now. There'll be there'll be some audio that comes out like a couple of weeks after this podcast that has this exact idea. <laughs> It'll be like, uh, it's it's funny, isn't it? How like there's there's literally infinite amount of ideas. Yet some way somehow, just as you think about doing it, that it, the exact same thing or near enough will happen. It's it's yeah, a it's, cruel twist yeah. of fate in that regard. But um, yeah, that's well. Sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. But I tell you what, I think we'll start to wrap it up there but uh, yeah, before, yeah. We, before we jump off I want to say to you thank you so much for coming on that's alright no worries pleasure. good fun and, good and fun. is there any would you like to plug your social medias and your channel and uh, all that sort yeah, of stuff yeah okay so, um, obviously uh, the main channel is just Thary's that's uh, T-H-A-R-R-I-E-S um, uh, so there's that uh, there's the Twitter which is at Thary's YT um Trying to remember all, I think that's pretty much it. The Discord, I mean, like, I, 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 I link my own Discord, that's that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want you to like promote with this. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. No, <laughs> so, no worries, uh, yeah, man. just uh, just just YouTube and Twitter, really. Yeah, um, that's it. Well, go and subscribe to Thary's guys, go and follow him on Twitter. All those links will be in the description. Go and listen to episodes of his podcast as well. As he said, he's had some fantastic guests, including Nicholas Briggs. and depending on when this comes out sophie aldred will be available yes to, uh, i'm, to I'm still to very it. nervous oh <laughs> uh, you'll be fine man it's well i yeah. think it's just like this because i've had some guests before where i've been really nervous because oh, either, yeah, like, so either i've watched them for years or whatever and then like, after about five minutes when you chat with them it's just it's just the conversation. oh yeah that's a really weird thing i was gonna say as well quickly before we wrap no, no, up go ahead is um the weird thing about doing what i do now is that the people who I used to look up to, because I watched a lot of Doctor Who YouTube sort of 2013 onwards. Yeah. So a lot of the people I used to look up to and really like idolize, I'm now considered in the same breath as them sometimes. And that's really weird. Like, you know, when people, so one thing that really solidified it for me was, I don't know whether you saw it, but a couple of um, months ago, there was this like YouTuber tier list. I did see that, um, yeah. And I was like being put next to some people people that I'd like idolized and thought were like fantastic for years and that's a really weird feeling yeah um a nice feeling but you know weird feeling nonetheless um but yeah like those are people now that I genuinely call friends which is a really nice thing um and that's 
being helped by the podcast as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very welcoming. It's a very welcoming community being in this space. And just before we wrap up, I'll give you a little story of Sophie Aldred. Um, so my first like encounter with Sophie Aldred wasn't actually with Doctor Who. It was when I was about three years old, and she All used right. to present this thing on uh, BBC called Words and Pictures, where, okay. which was basically like an educational program, and. Basically, my I I always remember the very first thing she does is she stood stood against this blue screen, obviously with an effect in the background, and yeah, she yeah. sings you the alphabet, and it's about learning right. the alphabet. <laughs> and somewhat because obviously now with lockdown three, the BBC are putting some educational stuff back on TV, and yeah. someone shared it, and I was like, oh my god, like that's actually my first Sophie Aldred encounter. Because yeah. I remember them watching her in Doctor, I was like, wait, that's the alphabet woman. So that's, that's, alphabet probably, woman. that's probably how I'd lead in if I was chatting with her. I'd be like, "You're the alphabet woman." So, but um, I yeah, uh, I mean, I guess um, I, I've I've literally never seen that. So that is something I didn't know. You've given no, don't me worry, things that, to raise, raise that shows to my age. So, um, you give me things to raise here in the episode. I'm debating whether I want to talk about dimensions in time or not. I, I mean, I, well, dimensions in time is canon, of course, yeah. and it's very close to my heart. Um. I just go go with your gut. If it feels right, yeah. do it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I think it'd be really that. interesting to get some first person perspective on that because it is just such an oddity that oh. like is so bizarre. But um, yeah, for sure, yeah, like I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, like yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one, especially when drunk. But anyway, enough <laughs> about talking about me getting drunk. Um, again, Thary's <laughs> mate, thank you so much for coming on. That's and... all right, I've had a blast. Oh, sound man. And to anyone listening, thank you for listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, please consider leaving us a like and let us know your thoughts about anything we talked about in the comments down below. Subscribe to the channel if you want to help support us. You can on Patreon or Ko-fi. And this is where I do like the social media rundown. It's trying to yeah, remember yeah. everything. <laughs> um, oh, if you're listening on Spotify or any of those services, please consider giving us a follow. Oh, there. we on Spotify. Well, oh, we on Spotify. Cool. We on all. We on it all. It took ages. I tell you what. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're all. Oh there. wow. So, hello, um, not YouTube. You're right. Hello. <laughs> no. I have to do that at the end. I'm like, not everyone's watching on YouTube. Just remember. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, if you have listened, thank you very much. And do keep an eye out. We'll have new episodes every week for quite a while now in season two. And until the next installment, I shall see you all next time. <laughs>